Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to the Big Footy podcast, which really isn't a podcast because we're live streaming. So why we keep calling it a, a podcast, I don't know. Um, but tonight we have a fantastic uh, show in store for all of us and you guys listening as well. Um, we've got myself, obviously, Fishing Rick back, which is always going to be shadowed compared to uh, the two guests we've got on. Um, I'll introduce our new guest for tonight. Uh, we've got Nick, the man, Russell Ebert Handball from uh, the Big Footy Boards. How are you, mate? I'm composed, Rick, composed. Excellent. You're not too nervous being in the presence of royalty here with, with Porsche? No, I've been listening to our boys speak all pre-season and how we have to be composed, so I'm trying to live the creed. Excellent. And, and joining us, obviously, with Nick and myself, we have Porsche tonight. How are you, Porsche? I'm good, but the tea bag in my tea just broke, so I'm making another cup. Oh, my God, that is just disastrous. I and, know. Uh, I, I use the good milk too. I should point out, it's super bad. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's good to have you front up two weeks in a row. So I appreciate your your contribution, and uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Craig is uh, spinning in his car at the moment, missing out on all the fun and action. Uh, so that's it. He'll be he'll be back. Um, so what I thought we'll start off with tonight is. Um, I've given my opinion, so there's nothing I need to really say about this, but I know you guys have been obviously long-term Port supporters and um, you know, you've got some thoughts on Phil Walsh and Nick, you probably had a few conversations with Phil Walsh, I would imagine, so uh, I thought I'd pass it over to Nick and Portia for you guys to have a, a, a bit of a word or your piece on what you wanted to say. I've only ever had one conversation, that was at the Club 1870 event last year, the, the 10 years that um, Phil was at our club the first time round, I lived in Sydney, so I reckon I only heard him once on a radio interview talk. Um, and I know Portia and a couple of others have written about his infamous, I think it was against Ge- Geelong in 2001, pre-game chat that he gave where the superintendent, <laughs> Phil Walsh, went over the top and sort of startled a few people. But I, I reckon that's, you know, there's a lot of things about what happened and sadness and the sun and all that but the thing that really stands out is that before he got coach nobody because of his lack of media presence nobody in terms of fans really knew who Phil Walsh was they knew he was some sort of master tech, uh, tactician but he, he was uh, uh, an enigma almost to, to most fans the, the overwhelming majority of Port fans footy fans West Coast fans and it wasn't until he got signed up as coach you heard him, and I, and I got to talk to him for 15 minutes. And uh, Ford Fairlane and past my prime stayed another 15 minutes when we were down in the change rooms in April last year at Adelaide Oval. I thought we were going to get kicked out, so I wanted to have a look around. But fascinating 15 minutes. And then his persona came out. And then uh, Eddie Dingle rang me at about 10 past seven Friday morning. My, my alarm didn't go off at seven. And he said, what the hell's going on down there in Adelaide? And I said, what? He said, Phil Walsh has been killed. I thought he was just pissed off with we'd lost and he was joking around and he and I said he said turn on the TV turn on the radio and just stunned for the whole day just stunned mm. it was a bit of a flattening event really and uh, yeah I can understand that and I think most of the footy world was uh, and supporters were were stunned what are, what's your take on it Porsche Ah, well, look, it's an absolute tragedy um, for everyone. Like, there's no winners in this, basically. There's no victims or villains or anything like that. And I know, obviously, you know, there, there's one that's person that's a bit more of a victim than everyone else, but it, it really, it's not about that. Um, oh, I guess it's just a real reality check, I think, for a lot of people um, in terms of those familial relationships that you have and just really... What is it? The, the song, the cats in the cradle, and all that sort of thing. You could obviously you read about it after the event, and of course, I, mean, I, I certainly knew none of this, and I doubt most people did about how he, I suppose, felt he neglected his son when he was being the coach for Port Adelaide, and that's not great. You know, that's not great. That's sort of in the same ballpark as what we did with Bowen Lockwood, and sort of how he's got constant pain now because of the way we sort of looked after him. It just, it doesn't feel mm. good as a club 
I don't think, to feel that you've had this sort of adverse effect on anyone and then for it to have such a, a horrific result is just a real eye-opener and um, I'd hope that's really an eye-opener across the league as to what's being expected of coaches to a large extent um, and uh, how much you ask of anyone individual. I suppose it worked generally, quite honestly, because he would not be on his own lonesome for um, that sort of... Uh, unfortunate relationship, but as far as Phil Walsh as a, as a part of the Port Adelaide Football Club, um, I, I think it'd be hard to think of a lot of coaches, certainly um, non-head coaches, that I'd have more respect for than Phil Walsh. Um, I met him once, and um, he's the sort of person I really could have done with meeting when I was about, I suppose, 11 or 12 and thought that all footballers were dickheads that didn't really know anything, because he's one of the most intelligent people I think I've spoken to for the most part, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a real tragedy what's happened, and um, it's time for a bit of thinking, I think, just to really appreciate what's happened there. So, without going into the game style and everything else with the for this weekend, I guess I just want to uh, quickly ask what do we um, what do we think about um, the boys? How how are the boys gonna? sort of handle this week is it do you think it's going to be a, a positive motivator for them do you think it's going to be a, a negative motivator um you know obviously it's tough but this is what happens we we have to keep persevering i think it's going to be an amplifier of whatever's going on so i'm sure that they'll go out and they'll play extremely hard probably too hard um and they might get might get in front or they might fall behind but whatever happens it's just going to happen more so I think just that emotional intensifier of this sort of tragedy just you, you never know what's going to happen exactly but you know whatever is going to happen it's going to be quite a bit larger than you expect it to be so it can either it could be a massive win it could be just a really a bunch of really strong early contests that sort of fade out because the motivation not the motivation's lost but the the feeling that was there that needed to get out has been expressed and then you just left blank um, it's it's really tough to tell and honestly it's it's kind of good in a way that our season's sort of over at this point because if we still had finals on the line I just don't know how they deal at all um, whereas this week they can sort of go out and I really don't like saying this about a Port Adelaide football club, but they can sort of go out there and just play as well as they can and just do the best they can and I don't think anyone will bag them if it's not all that good So you're obviously in my camp where you've given up on expecting finals this year. Nick, are you the same? Oh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it would be nice to think that we could win eight or nine in a row, but um, I can't... Look, if, if we could kick at 70% every game, then we can win it. But how do you, how do you improve your, your kicking from terrible to average in such mm. a short period? That's we, we can talk all we like about game plans, individuals, everything. But until we get our kicking right... Everything else is almost um, irrelevant because it's football. It's not handball. It's not throw ball. It's not punch ball. It's not hit ball. It's football. So you've got to get using your foot, the ball, you know, kicking the ball with your foot correctly. I mean, you have a look. I've sort of said on the board about, you know, it's a marginal 5 or 10% increase, improvement. You roughly have 200 kicks a game. So to improve your efficiency by 10%, or to take it from 60, 51 to 61, so uh, not 10% or 51% increase, but 10% of the total, it means you've got to put 20 better kicks. If we had to kick the ball 10 times better into our forward line, especially in that, must have been the last quarter, we're going to left of screen, and then the guy who catches the, the marks the ball kicks it properly, that's potentially 10 better goals. That's how fine line it sometimes can be. And... Mm. I said, until, until we get our kicking up to AFL average, you know, finals is a green. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of agree, but I really hope you're not saying that's all a skills argument because there's so many things that go into kicking well beyond just the actual mechanics of it, like um, how you deliver the ball, you know, how hard did you have to run before you kick and all that sort of stuff oh, as well. Yeah. And, that do, and, and, that, and that does come down to game plan and your structure well, and all that sort of, sort of stuff. Sort of does, but but when, you, when you've got no pressure on you, and you see someone up in your forward line and you go and kick to them and they're only 20 metres away and you've got another option 40 metres away and you kick the ball in between the two, that's got nothing to do with pressure. 
Oh, it comes down to that's pressure and perceived pressure, though. That's the thing. Like oh, pressure, you might you might not have someone you might not have someone on your tail, and you might even do better if someone was. But the fact that it's all on you all of a sudden, which I think is very much a concern that a lot of our players seem to have, is taking responsibility for that disposal. That is pressure, regardless of how it comes. But if they've been playing footy since under ten, they would have been had to do that every week. They play footy since under ten. How many times do they get paid three hundred grand a year? Yeah, but that's that's you've got to be able to sort of. You know, just play, play the basics. They've got to be able to, absolutely. Style. But the, to, to, to act like there's not a lot else riding on it apart from just a pure skill check, is, I don't think that's genuine. I don't think that's accurate. Well, I, I understand when there's pressure. And I understand there's perceived pressure. But when you can't even do the basics right, then you need remedial lessons. You know, this wasn't our debate section, guys. <laughs> I had this coming up. You, you're, you're throwing my whole segments out of whack now. That's the beauty of live radio, you see. It is the beauty of live radio. And so I guess I just brought it up because I'm still seeing posters getting caught into stuff that I probably did a couple, or well, last time we were successful and, and going, oh, well, you know, if we go back to last year's form, we'll be all right and we can still make finals. Well, the problem is we're not nowhere anywhere near the form we were in, uh, in last year, in 2014. So... Um, you know, I appreciate the optimism and I think it's great that you can, people can be optimistic uh, but I think we're struggling but seeing these two are in a competitive mode I thought I would um, bring up, a, uh, bring up a, a new segment for the show a, a quick segment and I know I've got someone who wants to call in so if they're listening uh, hold on a couple of minutes and then you can call in and ask your question as well but I wanted, seeing we've got two vocal debaters here, I wanted, I wanted to have a quick debate um, from Todd Bell, who uh, I'm sure is on Big Footy as well, but I don't know who he is on Big Footy. Um, he asked, can you two debate nature versus nurture? Because he believes, Porsche, you're in the, uh, in the, nurture, uh, in the nature camp of drafting the right players. And he thinks, REH, you're into the nurture uh, camp and with the training and you want you're adamant we need to get John Donahue in, in in with the tackling um so Porsche off you go can we nurture or is it more predominantly nature to get to where we want to go um it's both which is not an answer you want I know Rick but it, it is both um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you need to have you need to have the basics right in the beginning don't you yeah, well, that's the case on both sides of that, though. So, yeah, you need to have the basic skills to play Australian rules football. You need to show that you can execute those skills. But at the end of the day, you also need to have, I don't know, the physical traits that are required to play Australian rules football as well. And I suppose the classic, you know, absolutely on my side right now example is someone like Hugh Minson, who had the build of, uh, what do you call them, the otter? The, the little standing up, prairie cat, prairie dogs, prairie dogs, sorry, prairie dogs. And just, you know, very narrow shoulders, very light frame. Um, and you can teach him to tackle all you want, but at the end of the day, he's going to struggle to be a ruckman. He can put muscles on, do whatever he wants, but without the right frame, um, there's a real limit, a real cap on what he can potentially do. And I suppose another one would be Brett Ebert with his height. Um, a lot of these are insurmountable by no matter how much training you have, but certainly if you fall within the realm of people that have an AFL-appropriate build, then the training is enormous, and that's the biggest difference between a first-round uh, success and a first-round failure. Nick? Well, I think the argument is is it's both. Um, the question is what sort of um, what sort of list do you have? You've got a highly skilled list. You don't have to probably work as hard. You still have to work hard. But you, you don't become a champion at an elite level without working your ass off. Now the question mm. is how much how much do you rely slash um, back off on the training because you've got wonderful natural ability. You know, you've got the ability like, like a Sean Burgoyne to hit targets under pressure through small gaps or, as we remember, Stewie do, who probably didn't work as hard as he uh, should have, but he was a natural footballer and he had a great kick. At the end of the day, it's you can take some... It probably is a bit easier to take somebody with natural ability and make them work mm. rather than, and, and get to a top level rather than um, have somebody with no ability and all you, or limited ability, and all you do is work, work, work. Uh, you just have to work hard. You have to work, you also have to work smart. That's the other yes. thing. There's no point doing, it's, it's the old efficient and effective. 
being effective is doing the right thing. Being efficient is, is doing it well. So if you're ineffective and you're doing the wrong thing, but you're efficient and you're doing it really, really well, <laughs> you get nowhere. And that's, that's yep. what I'm frustrated about what I watch is, is how effective, how efficient, sorry, is, is sorry, effective is our training. There, there are areas in our game, both last year, the year before, okay, yeah, we came from a, a bad base, a low base, um, where we uh, we weren't really effective. We, we might have worked our ass off and worked hard, but I think you have to work hard and smart. Yep, totally agree. You know, I've, well, seen plenty, I've seen plenty of people work hard in life and they've done okay, but they haven't necessarily worked smart. If they had been uh, smart, they would have done better. I've also seen plenty of people being smart and have been smart enough to bludge and cut corners and they do a right as well. Um, but I think... I think at elite sport, you get caught out if you're not effective and efficient. Yeah, well, we're you know, the premierships, aren't we? This isn't Quanda or whatever it is. You guys are supposed to be debating, not bloody agreeing with each other. Al reckons you're a fence-sitter, Porsche. You need to make a decision. I guess the, uh, I guess the other way to uh, have a bit of a debate is, um, Porsche, do you and I agree with Nick? Um, he's been very passionate the last two weeks about getting uh, John Donahue in as a uh, as a tackling coach. Um, is that is that the uh, answer to our problems? We need to get someone else in a different voice um, to get aggressive at the boys and and, uh, and rev them up and and help them with their tackling and other bits. I definitely do not agree with that. Um, I'll yes. explain why. Um, sorry. Awesome. So <laughs> if we go back over the past three senior coaches at Port Adelaide, I would say that all of Choco, Matty Primus and um, Ken Hinckley, you would describe mostly as motivational coaches. Like that's their strength is the ability to motivate the guys and really get on side with them and I suppose speak to them and communicate to them. Um, and the weakness we probably have had and the reason why Phil Walsh has come in as an assistant under two of them is that we have had a strategical weakness that has been made up for by an assistant. Um, so adding another motivator, that, that's great and you'd certainly I'd expect get a short-term result out of it, but I'm not sure that's where we could best spend money as a club right now, uh, in particular on tackling, which I know it's important, but if you're taking a tackle, that's another ball that you're not getting, you know. Um, you might get a free, but relying on anything that requires umpire intervention for it to work out to your advantage is probably not a good plan for Port Adelaide side. Um, I'd much rather that we spent that time on, I suppose, making the development coaches more accountable and the line coaches uh, more effective in how they're communicating what they're trying to do, which I think is probably the biggest problem we've got right now. Is um, I know there's... Um, uh, probably some discontent with the leaders from the side, but uh, I think it's really on the coaches at this point. I think that's where we need to see the improvement, not with a, a player motivation thing like getting in the tackling coach. Although I'm not saying it'd be terrible, but I just don't think it's the priority. Well, before Nick, you respond, I'll just, I'll just add this one bit to that where um, I sort of agree with you, Portia, because I guess technically you could be a champion player who receives an instruction from a coach and can implement that instruction on the field for themselves and for other players. Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to be able to swap roles, become a fantastic coach, which can create the strategies and implement the discussion with the players and pass that on for those players to then implement the strategy so I guess what I'm saying is you can be a fantastic player it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a fantastic coach and is that maybe an issue is there a communication issue potentially between the coaches and the players at the moment which we maybe haven't had in previous seasons I guess that's where I'm going but Nick over to you about your response with John Donoghue and why you think it's so important well, okay look, look at who our coaches are and our assistant coaches are they going to develop a strategy straight away to help us for the next three weeks. You would have thought that they would have been planning and implementing over pre-season and early on in the year. Now, I don't know whether there's a lack of communication. Guys aren't listening, guys aren't motivated. But you would think there's something not going through. The reason why I've called for, I guess, John Donahue to come in full-time is one, he can come in full-time. The other guys are there already full-time and working on things and it doesn't seem to be working. You get John Donahue in for three weeks, 
Boy, just uh, he's got a sadomasochistic streak. It's almost like the players might be scared not not to let him down because they know they'll get flogged harder. Uh, you know, I know I know flogging players for a whole season isn't the answer, but the way we've been ragged off, especially Carlton, Carlton was a lack of motivation. There's nothing to do with strategy. Uh, the guys just weren't interested, and when they were, they turned it on for bits and pieces. But they they let Carlton, the Carlton guys said right. Our season's been rubbish. We've got a new coach. We caused the coach to be um, uh, sacked. The one thing we can do today is, is hit hard and give an effort. And that's why I'm just saying, got Donna here to come in for a full time for a few weeks, is because we're not going to change strategy. You know, you, that's what you spend your whole pre-season setting up for. Mm. But to get someone in now to complement the coaches, isn't that almost saying that the coaches aren't able to do it? and we need to get someone else in to do it for them, which seems well, a bit odd. Well, the runs are on the board. They haven't been able to do it. Um, I, I guess just one thing you said there uh, regarding, um, I suppose, putting a bit of fear into the players. I think that if we're looking at the AFL journey, that's been the number one problem that Port has had is that there's been too much fear in the players. Like We saw it in, what, 2002, 2003, where that fear basically crippled them. Um, and 2004, they came so close to losing that prelim. Um, and we just constantly, you can see that we're coming from a place of fear, like we're afraid of what's going to happen if we don't do well, and then we just don't do well. And fear is an awful motivator for people. It's really terrible. You do just enough to survive, and then once you're surviving, you sort of fall apart because you're not doing something for someone. Whereas John Cale, I mean, I don't reckon he ever coached by fear. I mean, he might have got up, got up a few people and uh, certainly threatened to drop him or trade him or whatever else, but... When they're playing on the field, they weren't playing out of fear. They were playing because they wanted to do well and they wanted to impress Jack and they wanted to impress the club and they wanted to do it for all the good reasons. And I think that's, if anything, you want to inject into that side right now. That's what you want to do is get them yeah. to realise again, like they did when we moved to Adelaide Oval, that, you know, this is worth playing for and that, you know, you're playing for yourself and it's not about fear. It's about not giving into it and just doing the best you can. I think that's really the lesson they need to hear right now. Well, I'm a great believer in the old Franklin Delano Roosevelt thing that uh, he said in his inauguration speech that the greatest thing to fear is fear itself. I'm a great believer in that. But a bit mm. of fear doesn't go astray. You, have a look, you know, you talk about John Cowell. John Cowell, after in Sandfield games, he used to get up at the club and he used to line the players up and go through each player, what they did well and, and poorly in the games. And that included games that we lost. You can't do yep. that today. So there was a fear motivator when John Carr was around. Those premierships just didn't come because, uh, you know, he was a great motivator and it could make everybody uh, walk 10 feet tall. There was a fear element to what oh, to, yeah. to his punching style. I guess what I'm saying is, we're, we're gonna put, look, we have a shocking record against Sydney, we have a shocking record against Collingwood uh, since, the, since we won the flag. And those sides are able to both physically and mentally um, get on top of us. That's why I said, Let's get Johnny Donahue in for a couple of weeks of full time so that, that our guys are just driven because mentally we're not strong at the moment. So as a minimum, let's get a bit physically stronger in terms of our desire and want an attack on the ball and the, and the man with the ball. That's, uh, why, well, I that's why I wrote. I, just, I don't think we need, you need John Donahue in there. You know, it's, it's eight hours a day, 50, 40, uh, 40 weeks a year. I'm not saying that. The reason I said to come in is because we're at a point whereby we're we're not even we're, we're not we're playing well in patches, but we're not playing well enough and hard enough for, for long enough. Well, maybe tonight's changes might uh, put some people on edge and help with that. So we'll uh, we'll segue right into the selections for this week. So we've got Amon in, Cleary in, Need in, O'Shea and Trengove. Would Cleary and O'Shea um, starting on the ground in the back lines. Bobby Carlisle's out, um, saying it's back-related. Um, Sammy Cahoon, Tom Jonas, Nathan Cracker, and Andrew Moore. So I wouldn't mind just going through those outs very quickly with you both. Um, Andrew Moore out. Is he in trouble at Port Adelaide? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, his, his career, I'm talking You're about. He kind of already was, so there's no real change there. He's, yeah, a, marginal, had... he's a marginal player. He's, yeah. He hasn't been able to crack our best 18. He, he is, he's 19 to 22. He might even be 16 to 22. And even though yeah. he played all, all 
three finals last year. Even then, he was still he was still a bench player, sub player, rather than a starting eighteen player. I think that Andrew Moore is one of those players that we could see three years in. We should have just offloaded him while he still had some value, and we didn't, and he's still with us. Mm. So, what about Sammy Cahoon? I, I'm surprised uh, at that because I thought the coach liked him. My criticism of Sam is that when he's got the ball, he seems to do okay. I, I notice things that he doesn't do correctly when he doesn't have the ball. Yeah, um, I look. I'm just not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Cahoon, quite honestly. I don't think he does enough. I think, which I suppose agrees with what Russ is saying. Um, I just. I don't think he's got. <laughs> He hasn't got the size, basically. We'll go back to that nature versus nature thing. He hasn't got the size to really play that sort of role. Um, if he was a small forward, I'd say that's no worry, but I'm just not convinced he's got the build to be worth having in that outside role when you could have someone with genuine speed that maybe needs a bit of work. Um, I'd, I'd much rather draft someone on the rookie list that's a, a good runner um, with speed and just try and turn them into a footballer than play Cahoon, quite honestly. If we could get Tom, oh, what's his name, the Irish bloke back, that'd be great, but, you know something like that. Dan- I just don't Daniel see Flynn. it. I don't, I don't, yeah, I just don't think that Cahoon's got enough anything to make it. Mm. I like his aerobic ability and I like the fact that he can contribute to the link-up play, but his body size is actually a, a bit of a concern because um, he's going to get ragged old and, uh, and pushed off the play quite a bit. I guess um, Alipati, uh, Carlisle, that's a pre- if he's injured, that's a pretty obvious um, choice yeah. then. There's not too much to say there. Um, and obviously he got pants last week against Sydney, so um, there's no point playing someone if they're injured, so we probably don't need to talk too much about that one. And I guess then we get to two of the more controversial ones. Um, we've got Tommy, the leadership group, Jonas, where Alistair's harassing me, Portia, to, for you to say that you were wrong and, and he was right um, after last week's comments, but um, thoughts? No, I don't think he's going to learn a single thing at our CNFL level. So, no. <laughs> but that was that was the rationale for, that Al used last week, which is drop him back to the SNFL and he'll find a touch. And he won't. He won't come back any different to how he was. Oh, my God. He's going to fire up now. There's going to be tweets and texts <laughs> and everything. Uh, well, I think he had to go, though. He was becoming a massive liability in the side. And I want him in the team as much as anybody because in form he's a great player. But... Um, I think he had to go. Your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, he had to go. And I still reckon he's carrying that groin. And if he is, he's better out for three or four weeks getting that right. You can just tell with his kicking. He's not kicking the ball properly. He's not dropping the ball properly. And to me, that screams that his groin isn't right. Now, yeah, well, if he's carrying injury, then yeah, drop him for sure. But otherwise, yeah, I don't think form is enough. Because he's one, he's one of the guys I trust in terms of mentally being tough. And I suspect that um, I just watch the way he plays and something isn't right. And I put more money on it being a physical uh, injury rather than a, a mental incapacity at the moment. You know, just, yeah, sorry, mental incapacity sounds bad, but a mental issue. And uh, I guess the selection which has put online um, forums into meltdown is the omission of the man... The crack, Nathan Cracker. Did you guys? You don't understand it. No. Do you do you understand it, Porsche? Um, the only thing I can perhaps assume is that maybe someone at Collingwood has indicated interest in O'Shea or Amon, and that they want to see (laughs) them play. I don't know. I I don't. I I have no idea. I I can't think why Cracker would be dropped unless there's some sort of injury they don't want to talk about or something else. I don't know. It's it's baffling, but. Um, I don't think it's something, necessarily game-changing. I don't know. Something out of the, court, the corner of my eye last week that I noticed with Cracker is that um, for all his positives with his disposals, um, he did seem to lack a lot of defensive effort and a lot of just throwing the arm out there and, and everything else. So I don't know if that was really highlighted and um, as poor on Nathan's part, or if he's concealing an injury they don't want to disclose. But that's the only thing that I can think of, which really puts me in a quandary, though, because Cam O'Shea's efforts in the Magpies have been pretty horrendous, and he's been just as bad for his attempts at tackling, and he's starting in the full back line. Now, 
I mean, if that does, if this decision lack doesn't, it, it lacks courage to me. If it, if they are, if our selectors were going to be courageous, why not maybe give a player like Logan Austin, who I thought has performed admirably at SANFL level, uh, an opportunity over Cam O'Shea if they're looking for a little bit more height in the in the back lines. Um, how, how, long, um, how long was Logan out for injured? I, I don't know. I'm only just going on the, the bits that I see randomly because I am pretty busy. But um, I would I would have just probably preferred someone else other than O'Shea. Next, give, give someone else a go because I just don't think O'Shea's form deserved selection. Um, I think... I think this is a classic, uh, unfortunate history repeating of O'Shea basically having been given the Michael Pettigrew treatment in that Pettigrew spent years on the list where he'd only get a go when the team was a bit shaky and fucked up. Um, and quite hey. honestly, I think what's happening in this case. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it because it's O'Shea. Where's, I'm a bit annoyed about it. So bad luck. Where's the mute? You love, you're a, you're a lover of O'Shea. You've always been am, an O'Shea it's, fan. It's really frustrating how he's been handled by the club. So, yeah, he's playing shit at the Magpies, and no wonder, because he's the writing's been on the wall for a couple of years now that he hasn't got a future at Port Adelaide, and he should have left. He should have gone, you know, when all those rumours were going around about Richard Simmons and Kilda saying, I want O'Shea. I don't know if he actually did, but if he did, then that should have been straight out the door because he's not going to get a proper shot. It's pretty obvious at this point, and I think he's got a huge amount of potential. He's been a very valuable player for us in the past, but he's just being stuffed around now. So if, for his sake, I hope he changes clubs and does well. Well, Al's in, melt, Al's in meltdown on Twitter. He can't believe that you're actually being serious about Tom Jonas and thinks he's been a massive liability. He, Al's head spinning, I can see. Sorry, Nick, keep going. I was going to say, I don't understand why I showed him play in the first few games. We took yeah. five guys into the... Into the um, season who played one quarter of uh, pre-season footy if you're going to play O'Shea it's when the, the when the grounds are a bit dry and hard, that's the best yep. time to play is to use his so run and I, I just didn't get his non-selection at the start of the season I don't know whether he, pisses, whether he pisses Ken off with something, he doesn't do the right thing um, or what but I would have played O'Shea at the start of the season mm. no, no well, he did get a couple he did get a game at the start of the uh, the season, though, didn't he? He might have got one, but he didn't play in the first game, and he only right. got one. Yeah, and it was a pretty average game. He was coming off a poor form, and uh, really shouldn't have been selected in the first place, and was selected and and performed miserably. So it wasn't his fault uh, for being selected in poor form, and again. It's uh, it's happening again, and uh, apparently the Poms are batting first. That's in a football forum as well. But <laughs> I, th- I find that um, yeah, I, I do find the O'Shea uh, selection interesting. I guess the other selection aspect, and this is where I'm a bit of an unashamed fan, Porsche. Aside from uh, Jasper and Jackson, is Brendan Archie, who I thought had a, a very very good first game, like full game uh, mm. in Port Port Colours, and I'm a bit disappointed that. We perhaps haven't given him a vote of confidence by actually starting him in the 18 on the ground, even if it's on paper, and maybe just giving a little G up to someone who's on a, in a little bit of a shaky form patch like a Brad Ebert or a, a Matty Broadbent or the, the controversial Angus Momfries, and, and maybe just put one of them on the bench um, for the start of the game just to give Brendan a bit more confidence. So, from my perspective, I don't think the coaches have really shown that much faith in him and he's, he's sort of had to really fight hard to create the faith himself. I would argue that the club has shown enormous faith in him keeping around SNFL level for as long as they have developing him and I don't think any players really believe that there's a difference between being named on the field and on the bench unless it's a, a slap in the face for a, a very senior player suddenly being named on the bench. I guess I don't imagine that there's really any major concern about that. I, I have no doubts about what you're saying, except for I'm just talking about the selection now that he's in the side, not mm. not in pre in, not in previous seasons. But I guess as a as a former sporting person, um, you do if you're making your way, and I mean I'm talking pretty gross amateur level here, but uh, I found more confidence when I was selected to start participating from the beginning compared to starting on the bench. And 
and it just it sort of just goes well yeah I'm really in it the, the coach believes in me whereas on the bench sometimes you, you can think okay well you know, okay I'm, on, I'm playing but maybe I, I don't have the complete confidence here and I, I just thought starting a player like Brendan a young player on the ground maybe even in the guts or, or wherever um, could have just given that extra um, vote of confidence to Brendan as a, as a player what do you think Nick? I don't care if he starts on the bench. I just don't want him to start. I don't want him to start as such. Mick Mould, I'm pretty sure Mick Moldhouse at some point would say, Brendan, you go play on Josh Kennedy this week. You're starting on Josh Kennedy. Yeah. Mick Moldhouse was brilliant at taking a kid and giving him yep. responsibility from his first game. And to me, Archie basically is about the only one big enough in the midfield who could have sat on Kennedy for a half. Kennedy might have pantsed him, but yep. at least it would have... Brendan would have learned, shit, this is how hard I have to work, this is where I run to, this is how tough this guy is. And I said, Mick Moldhouse would have done that. None of our coaches that we've had at Port, at Port beat Choco, Primus and Ken have had the guts to do that. No, I totally agree. I think that that's really been an issue for us, I suppose, since Jack Carl left. Um, Jack Carl was really great at saying, here's a big job, do it. And I don't think we've had a lot of uh, circumstances of that actually happening with our coaches, except if the players come on as a top five draft pick or something like that. Like Wines and Wingard are a huge exception in that regard, being given fairly significant responsibilities early on. But even they've started in you know secondary roles. We seem to almost think that you have to really, really earn the right to get the big jobs, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. Um, basically, yeah, I agree that if you give them a big job early, they'll know how hard they have to work to be good enough to beat them in the future. And um, I kind of wonder whether we talk about the players not having the confidence to do their role. I kind of wonder if this stage progression that we artificially create for them is uh, part of the reason for that. Um, the players that we have given a shot to to do big jobs straight up, they've gone on and been quite good. But the ones that we sort of say, okay, you're going to start on the, the third best forward and then occasionally we'll shift you off to the second. Um, I just wonder whether that just sort of inhibits them. Like they, they start to doubt themselves a little bit more because they have to earn their way up to the top. And then they get an attitude when they're there. I don't know. Who knows? But, um, mm. yeah, I agree. So, the how, how are you... That... Sorry, Nick, I was just going to say, how are you guys feeling? Um, no other Paddy, Jack Homsch, fullback, Jackson Trengove, half-back line, Cam O'Shea, Tom Clurie, Jarman Impey, Jasper Pittard. Are you guys happy with that defensive uh, structure? Well, it's as good as we've got. Dane Swan, it's, well, Dane Swan's the, the one. I mean, obviously, uh, Travis Quake's going to be hard, but um, Jacko or Jack Homs probably would do an okay job it now. It, it's, it, yeah, well, look, Swan went on to Hodge. Uh, you know, he's, it's his 250th game. He's a smart player. And don't be surprised if he kicks three, four, five goals off the half-forward flank. I don't think mm. we've got anybody strong enough to, go, to hold him down. I mean, Luke Hodge struggled with him. Mm. Um, Bevan wanted to know Porsche, but I think Nick should have an opinion on this as well. I'm, I'm sure Nick would. Um, Mitch Harvey, should he have been selected this week? Uh, I don't know. There's a case for it, but with, with Ryder and uh, Ryder fit and Schultz fit and Westhoff fit, then it's harder to make a case for it. But I do agree that certainly by year end, I'd like to have seen him play at least, say, four games whenever they come. So maybe this week could have been one of them, but I'd, I'd definitely like to see him play at least three, four games before the end of the year at this point. Nick? I would have picked, I would have picked him and played Schultz half-back flank on maybe on uh, Dane Swan. He seems to spend enough time down there. Yeah. Was going to say, was anyone disappointed that Schultz didn't get a game just to see the opportunity of Harvey maybe playing? No, I like the fact that and Chuck Lotto proved it's Chuck Lotto. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I got more pleasure out of that than watching uh, Schultz not play again. And Bevan, Bevan thinks Jonas on Hodge in his first game is the only time he can remember it happening. Jonas on Hodge? Yeah, sort of having faith in a younger player to do a job. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a fair yeah, call. That's... Yeah, Jonas did get some big jobs early on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Al's one of the um, um, the people. He's similar to me. Has a bit of a phobia to rangers. He doesn't oh, think Mitch Harvey oh, should be he I've should be got, picked got, because he's a ranger. I've got, I've got I've got one. Actually, Ken did it a couple of times last year. Ken gave Impey some big jobs last year. 
Yeah. Teddy yeah. Betts, Ballantyne, because basically we didn't have anybody fast enough to go with it. So there, there, yeah. there's a case where, um, you know, Ken wasn't scared because what did he look? He looked at an 18-year-old kid. He's got blistering speed. He said, okay, the blistering speed is what we need. We'll stick him on there. Yeah, and honestly, I think the guys that get the early jobs... Um, that's where you know you're talking, Rick's talking about getting the confidence. I think that's where they get the confidence from is that they they come in and they learn what they got to do and then they start doing it. Um, yeah. Well, look, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll go back to I'll go back to Now I know this is midfielders compared to say I want Harvey to play, but look at Marty Clark from Ireland. Never played the bloody game, and the first mm. five or six games, Malthouse plays on the best midfielder of the opposition had. What a great learning experience to quote Neil Craig. Uh, I think that I totally agree with you on Malthouse. It's one of the things I respected most about him is that the way that he gives those opportunities to the younger players, it actually is also really conducive to good list management as well because rather than have a bunch of guys really, really slowly going through what is an, essentially it's an elite list that's very restricted and the number of players you can get through, you give them a crack and if they're not up to it, you cut them and bring in some new guys and you get some turnover and you, you maximise your opportunities to find the gems in the rough, you know. Um, I, I think that from a coaching perspective, it's good and from list management, I, I very much respect that and I wish we did a bit more of that, quite honestly. Well, well, well Langford's another one at Hawthorne. I mean, here's a mm. guy that was on the, on the what, rookie list for three, two years, two and a half, two and a bit years before he got a game. And then once he got a game, they threw him into the midfield and basically they said, OK, you become the tagger. And he, he's become like a cane. He's, uh, mm. he's able to, to get a lot of his own ball and set up, uh, you know, set up uh, uh, offensive opportunities whilst he's still tagging. Mm. Mm. Awesome. So who needs to stand up for Port Adelaide this week? Everyone. And, Everyone. And, <laughs> but if you're going to target, if you're going to target somebody. Who do you want to stand up to win us the game? Who does it need to be? Well, it has to be Boak, and if Boak has to get some help, he doesn't. Boak is trying to do too much. All he has to do is one, get a chop out from who's tagging him. Maybe the crowd can help him. If, if somebody tags him like the last few weeks, he's got to go and stand not in the goal square, but behind the goals and right up on the uh, that LED sign and stuff like that, and uh, especially at our end. Jump the fence. See if your tagger follows you up the stairs. Somehow break it up. Hide behind the, the goalpost. <laughs> Get inside the tagger's head. Could you imagine if, if, if Boat jumped the fence and started walking up uh, the aisle of 124 and his tagger came up with him? That would be an interesting bloody uh, side game and see how much uh, you get inside the tagger's head. I Whoever think there's a simple... There's a simpler solution to losing the tagger, and that is to have his teammates actually um, not chop him off when he runs past him. That's what we used to do. We do that so much now. They haven't been doing it, have they? No, they haven't. And that's why the, that's the big problem there. If they're not supporting who, the guys being tagged, we're stuffed. Who do you want to stand up for us to win the game, Porsche? Um, Jackson Trengove. He's mine. The man. Um, but, yeah, well, he's. I feel like he's due for a really good game. Um, and uh, given the emotion that's going to be in this game, because it's going to be there, we really need someone to just sort of hold it together and, and basically compete, but compete smart. And uh, I don't. I look at that back line and I think he's probably the only one I think could rise to the moment. And I really hope he does. And if he does, then we've got a shot. Um, mm. Yeah. I'd and he has, he has been a little bit iffy in form this year. I mean, he's a great player and, and obviously injuries has created a bit of inconsistency there for him and mm. uh, and injuries uh, to his uh, his loved ones as well with his pet dog um, losing yep. a leg. That's obviously going to be a distraction too. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think he'll be pretty focused and steely and uh, I reckon he's going to have a strong second half of the, uh, of the season. I guess my concern is how... Who are we going to run with um, Pendlebrook? I mean, he's similar. Well, he's bigger than Kennedy, isn't he? And Kennedy reams us on a regular basis. And he's taller than Kennedy, but he's not um, heavier than Kennedy. No, no. But he's a fantastic player, and I'm a bit worried about that matchup. So I might go a little bit random here, and uh, and say Paul Stewart might be my man. To stand up because I wonder if we might run Paul Stewart on Pendlebury at times to try and curtail his influence. 
He's not named, is he? Yeah, he's on the interchange bench. Is that, is he? Yeah, he's oh, one yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah he, well, and, I, and I'm glad he survived, Nick, because I thought yeah, he... I, I think he deserves a second chance. He we did, and I actually... I thought out of the fringe players in the pre-season, Paul Stewart was actually our form fringe player well, in the he, pre-season. He's, a, he's another and, one that was had four games in a row... No, four out of five, because one of the games, bloody Tommy Logan took him out at the... Uh, the Anzac Day game, but he was a guy that should have been picked earlier. Mm. And, and when he finally was picked, he was starting; his form was starting to go down. I thought for a guy who only had four days rest, he did a reasonable job up at the SCG. That's why I think yep. he deserved to stay in there. Absolutely. Porsche would disagree. Yep. <laughs> you got a vendetta <laughs> against Paul Stewart, Porsche. Oh, look, we talk about how we want the young blokes to get a go, and he's a classic example of why we're not getting the young blokes to give a go. We're keeping guys like Paul Stewart around. I don't. Um, he's okay. His top end is not there. He's what twenty seven, twenty eight now. How much more times he got? Not much. I yeah, but you still got a you still we, got we, a reward could, for. These are games that we could be putting into one of the young blokes, and this is, or more specifically, this is game time that we could be putting into one of the young blokes like Amon or Need or you no, know, not Need in this case, but Amon's to certainly. Uh, well, or Clurry to get him up to speed, you know. Clurry's every minute side as counts. Well. Who else? Clurry's in. Amon's in. Yeah. Impy. Needs in. Impy's in. Shit, why not Brendan Archie on Pendlebury? Why not? Uh, Archie's in. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that you can't shut all the midfields down. No. The problem against no, Sydney was The problem against Sydney was their best three players and probably their best four players were midfielders. And it went, mm. and we didn't shut any of them down. They went Kennedy, Hanbury, Jack, Parker, and we didn't yeah. shut one of them down. That was the trouble. You know, if, well, if you say if you say Gray plays on Kennedy, um, so you know that's going to be a win for both. Both will get thirty odd disposals. Then we had to shut down one of Jack, uh, probably not Jack because he tends to play the negative role as as well as go forward. But probably had to have someone sit on Hanbury or Parker. It's one of those um, cost uh, things that you have to worry about. So for every tag you have in the midfield, that's production you're losing. And Port Adelaide has very much been set up as a production site. Like, we need to have as many opportunities going forward as we can, and they're mostly coming through defence because that's the way we're set up to play. So if you have every extra person you tag, that's an extra unit in the line that is not going to be part of that forward production. So um, there's a reason, I would say, why we don't tag as much as we have in the past. Um, not only that, but obviously we don't have the personnel quite up to it uh, at this point. But, yeah, it's a problem, but it, that's a problem not just of the day, but also um, our style of play. We need to compensate for it. Mm. If, if, if you basically Pendlebury and Grey have the same output, that, mm. that effectively negates each other. It's the next ones down that we have to... We have to make sure that you don't have two or three Pendlebury-type outputs. Brody Grund- sorry, Brody Grundy's not playing. So I think they're only got, taking wits in. Uh, yeah. Are we are we maybe going to have a late change? Mate, will we lose uh, one of the rucks maybe and bring in another small? Nah, can't uh, see. Well, no, I can't see that change happening. And if anything, this is the one of the opportunities for the lobby rider to redeem themselves. You know, um, to actually go up against. Uh, a relatively weak right core and if they can't do well in this game well then we know there's something wrong we need to look at it I think it's worth keeping them both in just for that perspective alone you know if it comes to poaching coaches um, one that flies under the radar uh, who's in a fantastic system is um, buddy Ironmonger at Hawthorne he's been there for years and um Talk yeah, about Johnny Ironmonger, the guy that uh, yeah, he played won. for Collingwood. Played for Collingwood. He was a big lump of a man. No, I think no, he no, got no, done. Monkhurst. Monkhurst, that's the one. Sorry. Yeah. Now I'm with it. Oh, and, Johnny Ironmonger, uh, you're talking Fitzroy in the eighties. Sorry, I'm sharp. I'm sharp my age now, aren't I? And <laughs> uh, Monkhurst. But I mean, again, in a great system, he'd have great intellectual property. Any, any Ruckman that goes to Hawthorne, he's able to convert them into a fantastic Ruckman. You know, it's on my wishful thinking um, dream list here, but you know, some, something less to, left of centre sort of trying to poach some IP, I think he would be sort of a great target 
uh, to try and get. I'm with you, Porsche. If we if our rucks can't stand up and deliver, unless it's bucketing down with rain tomorrow, which I don't think it is, um, we need to really uh, have a look at what's going on there. Um, yes, I'm not sure that a right coach is what's needed there. I think that's, again, focusing on skill rather than game plan, and I think game plan is where we've really got weaknesses. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you there, but um, I know Nick's a very fond advocate of having a defense, defensive player as a defense coach and a, a ruckman that's uh, as a ruck coach, and I guess you know we are lacking majorly at our stoppage setup, and surely yep. a a ruck coach and the midfield coaches need to get together and improve or be replaced. I guess that would be my point. Yeah, well, I mean, if we've got a lot. We've had a, I suppose, in the secondary coaching field, we've had a lot of stability. Like we've still got a bunch of coaches from when Matty Primus was the head coach. Um, maybe it's time to have a look at that. Uh, and see what's going on. I'd really love to see some kind of audit where they just go around and ask every coach and say, okay, what's your job? What are you doing? Do you think you did good? And then you say, how did you measure it? How did you measure that you've done good? You know, how can we, how is it evidenced? How can we see it? Because I'm, I'm not convinced that there's going to be any metrics behind it at all. I, I don't know what's going on. But I, just on the point about defenders coaching defensive team, uh, the, the defensive team, I totally agree with that because I'd say at least 80% of coaching is about teaching good decision-making and I don't see how someone that hasn't been a defender can understand the decision-making that a defender makes in the same degree as someone that has. So I'm totally on board with that one. Awesome. All right, well, we better start our conclusion because between the two of you, I know it's going to take 10 minutes anyway. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got to get it in. I've got the power too, so... I can mute everybody. And I know Al wants to quickly call in at some stage, so I'm expecting a call very shortly. Um, key to winning from both of you, and who's going to win? Yeah. Well, that was easy. <laughs> and, kicking, and, kicking, and kicking good. K- kicking efficiently and effectively. Um, well, now that Jonas is out, our disposal efficiency will go up. Ooh. Oh, you reckon? That was harsh. Well, he's been out, mate. He's been injured. So, Jackson, don't leave Jacko alone. He's a fantastic player and he's got great skills. Uh, he's a great man. Defend him all the way. I'm just going on Piston Broke's uh, comments about his kicking when he was uh, in before he got <laughs> You're talking about Jackson New Vision Trengove, aren't you? That's the one. That's Piston yeah. Broke has a lot of comments about his kicking. Uh, Jackson's alright. He, he's the size of a ruckman, so every now and again, that uh, the 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 hand to foot ratio or um, timing gets a bit out of whack. But uh, he's a good man. Yeah, but um, just on the the keys to win, um, I totally agree that midfield is a big part of it. But I think that the the key to not losing is probably the way I'd put it is just keeping control of the emotion that's going to be in the game. I think that. That's the, probably the main thing we need to do is just make sure that the guys don't lose their heads a bit because um, I think that's a very real possibility. Oh, we've got a, we've got a caller. Okay. Uh, we do have a caller. Caller, just hold on for one moment um, because I agree um, we need to keep our head, but I actually think um, the tragedy of Phil Walsh will be a positive motivator for the boys this week. And I'm expecting a blood rush of the vein of Hawthorne in the first quarter of the Hawthorne game. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of does the rest of the game pan out like that or do we continue on with it? Um, Alistair Clarkson, how are you? Good, thanks. Oh, sorry. Alistair <laughs> Carlton, once again. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, guys. Uh, how about uh, yourselves? Uh, good show so far today, but I've just got to say, Porsche, Porsche, Porsche. <laughs> Jonas, Jonas, Jonas. He, like, um, even if he didn't play last week, we would have done better. Um, even if yeah. he didn't get anything about playing, like, even putting a Logan Austin, a Cam O'Shea back there, we would have got something more than what we got last week from Tom Jonas. He was the biggest liability on that field and every moment 
that he was on the field. I actually sat there and actually watched him specifically after our conversation. And I was like, wow, I can't wait to get the opportunity to rebut the Porsche because his game last week was terrible. Um, no, was anyone's game really all that good? I'm not saying he played brilliantly, um, but I certainly would doubt that Logan Austin would come in and be particularly good either, and particularly not in that exact same role. But mo- most importantly, I just don't think he's going to learn anything at SNFL. Don't deflect it on to me. Now you're deflecting. Huh? You're deflecting now because I, I'm an advocate for... I, I, I'm an advocate for Logan Austin over Cam O'Shea. And you're hey, deflecting. I was the one that said Logan Austin. I said, hey. Logan Austin. I, said Lo- I said Logan Austin or Cam O'Shea. It doesn't matter. Oh. Either of them would oh. be a, a, a better contributor than what um, Tom Jonas is at the moment. If he's injured, fair enough. Or um, if he's not injured, he's in such poor form that nearly anybody... We're playing with 21 players with him at the moment. We were. We were. We're not anymore. So that's great. <laughs> I, I think Al's right there, Porsche. Nah, I still, dis- or I, I still disagree with the reason that he gave last week, which was that he would find confidence at SNFL level and come back better. I don't think that would actually happen. I think injury, if he's got an injury, that could do it. But as far as SNFL form being anything to gain confidence from, for a senior AFL player, it's not going to make any difference. It won't be a good thing at all. All right, well, thanks for the call, Al. No worries, guys. uh, I'm going to hang up on you now because we've got to wrap it up. But um, (laughs) appreciate the feedback. And uh, look, I think what's the result going to be? I'm obviously going to go port this week and I'm going to think we're going to win by uh, 37 points. Uh, I hate to say it. I'm going to say Collingwood by about 40. If that's the case, I'm going to be very, very drunk by the end of the night because I'm just going to take advantage of the provided alcohol instead. Nick? Yeah. I think it'll be a two-goal game either way and uh, I'm not sure that we're good enough to get over the line. But we, we won't give in because we haven't given in. Just uh, I don't think we're good enough. But I'll, put, I'll say two goals. And if two we goals? Win, it'll only be two goals as well. I guess if we win, it's just going to give those that have a little bit of hope that we can make finals a continued hope. And Al also tweeted in before he called up, what are the KPI for coaches? Well, I think that's pretty simple. Uh, victories and losses, isn't it? If we're not winning... for secondary coaches. Senior coach, sure, but, for sec- and, but even for the senior coach, it's not. There should be other goals beyond that, you know, um, list development uh, for oh. a start, you know, how many well, that's, that, have that's the list that are AFL, that are AFL ready. No, no. Cause it comes that's the list manager's well. job now, though. Oh, in, in part it is, but all of this stuff is still headed up by the head coach. It's, it's, it's foolish to pretend that there's not some head coach intervention in these things. You know, it's yeah, not like the, a little the, bit, but the, the, the list been, manager's basically got... Look at Hawthorne with Pelchin. I mean, basically, they've got... Um, full reign and control of uh, selection. They, they just have to go with, I think, the with drafting, what they're coaching. Possibly, I... but even that'll, even that'll be within guidelines and it also won't affect the AFL readiness of the list that's already there. Um, you know, like getting games into guys like Harvey so that next year you can say, well, we've got a couple of KPPs ready to, uh, key position forwards ready to go this year, as opposed to where you don't play any of them and then you go, well, we don't really know anything about any of our backups. Nick? That's coaching. Sorry. That's right. Um, yeah, we got to uh, you got to measure what your assistant coaches do, and I guess mm. some things by you'd you look at improvement, um, and that improvement they obviously can measure it both at AFL and Sample level. But you know, there must be um, that's the word I'm looking for. There must be programs for each player. Yep. set out at the start of the year, you would think, and you would measure it against that. I'm sure the um, the AFL Coaches Association would have these beautiful PowerPoint slides about how you can measure um, assistant coaches. I'm sure I'm sure that's something we could dig into and find out, right, hack into one of these days and find out. But, but fundamentally, uh, you've got to be about your player development. I mean, you know, I, I, would, I would give um, Edwards a cross, for what the hell has happened to Montreux. Now, I know there's all the drug stuff and that could be handing those heads, but why the hell are we turning somebody can kick goals into a tagging half-forward? That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, if that comes from Ken, then that's not Edwards's fault. 
But if Edwards has driven that, then he deserves a big kick up the backside for it. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. We've gone a fraction over time. Thank you very much for coming on. I know a lot of people were excited to hear it, and I know a lot of people will probably download it tomorrow and, uh, and tune in. Um, but Portia, once again, thank you very much for your contribution. It's been greatly appreciated and never apologise for um, uh, wanting to uh, contradict what I'm saying because you're always right. But the problem I is I'm always right. right. But I'm always right, so something's going on there. And Nick, thank you very much. It, it's no been worries. a while since you, we've been on the same show. I think we did it once last year, so appreciate yeah, you coming on. Everyone have a... A great time tomorrow night if you're going or watching it on TV. I'll be there. I'm going to cheer them on. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd is. And uh, thank you very much for your support, guys. And uh, go the power. Go port. Go port. So unenthusiastic. Power! Carlisle sends it long. Motlop just on and takes the mark. He can give Port Adelaide the lead. Hamstring hurt. Plays on. Sends it high. Goal square. Long. McVeigh gets back. Port Adelaide in front. The magic man of all people. He had to be the one.